Well, let me just right out of the chute get to the point this morning. I don't remember a time in my life where people seem to be more fearful than they are this very day. You can, you can see fear in people's faces. You can hear it in the conversations that they have. It seems that we are living in a time of great fear and uncertainty. The war in Ukraine has everybody on edge as Vladimir Putin has made clear his, his uh, willingness to use force whenever and wherever he needs to, to push his agenda in this world. The result of this war has become higher gas prices for us. Uh, there's gonna be shortages of heating oil, especially in Europe this winter, shortages of grain. I just heard the other day that there's coming a shortage of diesel fuel, and I wonder what that will do to our chain supply here in America. China's general secretary is making clear his intentions to take over Hong Kong. He is making threats to any nations who might stand in their way. He's also building landing strips for aircraft in the South China Seas by bribing small island nations and their leaders with large sums of money. Military experts tell us that it will only be a matter of time when China will also place radar and missiles in those areas and others to intimidate their enemies. On the home front, we have people in power who have lost any semblance of common sense. This is not a political sermon, okay? I knew you were gonna clap at that, and that's the way I feel, but this is not about politics. Our leaders are giving billions of dollars away, money that we don't even have money that we need to borrow, adding to an already unsustainable debt load. Our politicians have become so focused on our environment that we have uh, become dependent upon other nations for our fuel. Nations, by the way, who hate us. So to overcome the fuel issue, electric cars are now the direction that we are heading. And what's interesting about that is we don't even have enough power to run the things that we already own. And also, since we do not mine nor produce the batteries to operate these electric cars. We will be equally as dependent upon other nations as we are with oil, nations again who hate us. So much for energy independence. They are so smart and yet they are so thick, I don't get it. Inflation is, is increasing, so are interest rates. All indications are that our economy is on the verge of a recession. The stock market has had a major adjustment downward and the values seem to be going down more. Many have found themselves in a controlled state of panic as they wonder about what their financial future and investments hold, while others look ahead at their retirement years with, with great fear. If you hang around young parents long enough, you will find that many of them are frightened for their children's future, what kind of world it is that they will ultimately inherit from us. Many people have real fear over health concerns. Some are fearful over relationships in their life. Many people have fears over their chosen career path and wondering if their particular profession is going to be something that will continue on as we go more into robotics and things like that. In addition, some Christians are experiencing great fear over the end times of which we are living, but that's a whole different sermon that I plan to attack coming in 2023. But whatever it is that keeps you up at night, whatever it is that produces fear within you, here's a truth that you must understand. 
Jesus doesn't want you to live in fear. And if you'll look at the scriptures for strength and support during fearful times, you will find a multitude of verses that are designed to keep you staying focused on the truth. And, and there is, here's one of these scriptures that I'm talking about. It's going to be our scripture reference for today. I'm not even going to give you time to look it up because I'm moving fast today, but it'll be up on the screen behind me. It's Isaiah 41 verses 10. The King, New King James Version says, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I'm titling my message today, Fear Not, because this reoccurring command found in the Bible is not just for today, but it is for every single day. And of course, there are many other variations of that term, fear not, found in the scriptures. Terms like, don't be afraid. Trust in the Lord, be strong and courageous. Do not fear, peace be with you. In fact, the word fear is mentioned over 250 times in the Bible, and there are over 200 more mentions of the word afraid. So fear is a universal phenomenon, so much so that psychologists and, and uh, psychiatrists have taken fear and they've made it a matter of medicine. The medical name for fear is phobia. You can take any word, any activity, any experience, place the word phobia behind it, and you now have an actual psychological condition. And the list of phobias is staggering, folks. There's literally page after page after page of things that people fear, some mildly, while other fears render people into an unmanageable state. My point is simple this morning. It seems to me that fear has no boundaries and it can affect most anything you do or think about doing. And the real problem with fear is that it paralyzes you. It, it stops you from moving forward. And you just kind of sit there spinning your wheels while focusing on your fears instead of focusing on the future that God has planned for you, and the fact that he wants to see you keep moving forward. Now, I think it's important to say that not all fear is bad. There are some good fears. These kind of fears help us survive. They help us to establish proper boundaries. It keeps kids from touching hot stoves and alerts us to real dangers. But the kind of fear that I'm talking about today are negative fears. They are fears that, that paralyze us from doing what we ought to do. This kind of fear I'm talking about is an exaggerated fear, and it, it is not at all in touch with reality. It creates a chronic sense of, of constant worry and of anxiety, and throughout the Bible it tells us this kind of fear is not good at all, because the worst part of fear is that it keeps us from fully trusting and obeying God. Now, the Bible talks about two different kinds of mindsets that you can invest in regarding fear. The first one is a faith-based mindset, whereby you trust God in all things. You trust uh, that, that God's goodness and power is sufficient for you in your life in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. Then you begin to live with a, a sense of relaxed confidence in him, and that is the mindset of faith. But there is also the mindset of fear. And this is when you say, I'm on my own, so I must be very, very careful and cautious. If not, something real bad 
is going to happen to me, and I might not be able to handle it. And there's a big deception that fuels this kind of mindset that most people believe with all of their hearts, and they even speak it, and it is this. The circumstances I have faced in my life have produced this fear in me. Ladies and gentlemen, that is just not true. Because over, over, over and over in the Bible, we find two different kinds of people facing the exact same circumstance, and they come up with a completely different response. Moses sent 12 scouts to explore the promised land and to come back. And 10 came back and they said, yeah, the land is, is great, flowing with milk and honey, but the enemies are so powerful that we could never subdue them. So let's just pack up and go back home. But two of the scouts, Joshua and Caleb, they saw the same land, they saw the same enemy, but they said this, we should go to the promised land because with God's help, we are certain to be able to possess it. A young shepherd boy named David brought lunch to his brothers who were serving on the front lines of the army of Israel. And while there, he sees this great champion of an enemy, a giant man who is blaspheming the name of the one true God. Goliath is standing there and screaming like a character out of your worst nightmare. He mocked the God of Israel day in and day out. And all, and all the soldiers saw him, but every single one of them was too fearful to challenge him. But David does, he hears him and he says, I've had enough of this. And he goes after him with a slingshot and he takes care of business. Jesus and his disciples are on a boat one day and a storm arises and his disciples are so scared that they start to scream and panic sets in while at the same time, Jesus is filled with such peace that he's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. All three stories Two sets of people facing the exact same situations, yet some respond with peace and others respond in panic. So what's the difference? Well, it's not the situation. It's not the circumstances because they're the same. The difference was their mindset. The difference was their perspective. The most important determinant of whether you live in faith or whether you live in fear, ladies and gentlemen, is your perspective. It's how you see things. It's also about who you trust in those things. Perspective determines how you will respond to life circumstance. There was an 18-year-old young college student who sent her parents a letter. She said, dear mom and dad, I have so much to tell you. Because of the fire set off by the student riots, I experienced temporary lung damage and had to go to the hospital. While I was there, I fell in love with an orderly and we moved in together. I dropped out of school when I found out I was pregnant. He got fired because of his drinking and so we're gonna move to Alaska where we might get married after the birth of the baby. Signed, your loving daughter. P.S. None of this really happened, but I did flunk my chemistry class today and I wanted you to keep everything into perspective. <laughs> She understood the power of perspective, didn't she? Perspective is everything. Perspective is the ability to sort out what's a big deal and what's not a big deal. Unhealthy fear is produced and is a product of a perspective that is off kilter and gone completely wrong. The single greatest command in the Bible is a command not to live that way, but to live with a mindset of faith. 
So out of all the direction that, that we sheep, we humans obviously need, why is this command to fear not so paramount? You know, it's interesting in the scriptures, when God gives the command to fear not, he's not necessarily trying to spare people anxiety or to even soothe them. Instead, I believe God often says fear not to encourage people to take an adventuresome step. He's calling them to take a leap of faith, a leap that I might add that they really don't want to take. God calls you and I to a risky faith, and generally it all boils down to this question. Will you respond in your fear, or will you respond with your faith? God says very often, trust me, and he says that because fear keeps people from adventuresome living with God. As I said, fear paralyzes. Fear keeps people from living in full obedience to God, from taking those necessary risks that are needed in order for them to be active in their Christian walk. So today I wanna show you some of the high costs that you will encounter if you continue to live with a mindset of fear. And I hope by the end of this message that you'll make a decision to join hands with God and that you will learn to trust him in literally every area of your life, particularly those areas that bring great fear to you. The first, the number one cost of living with a mindset of fear is this. Fear will eat away at your sense of self-worth. Your ability to believe that you are made in the image of God will erode away when you live with a mindset of fear. Psychiatrists have been baffled by this one question. Why do so many people who have every reason in the world to maintain a high self-worth through their accomplishments and natural giftings and attractive appearance and a well-liked personality, why do they still struggle with low self-worth? Well, researchers say one issue is this. When you face a difficult, fear-producing situation, do you take action and tackle it head on, or do you avoid it? What they found is this, when people take action, even if things don't turn out perfectly right, they get this surge of delight. When you do the hard thing, when you take on a tough challenge, when you look your fears squarely in the face and do something, you will grow, and you will receive a sense of inner strength. But when you avoid facing your fears, even if things work out okay on the outside, deep inside of you, there's a voice. And that voice cries out, I wimped out. I didn't do the hard thing. I took the easy path. Can I just be transparent with you about something that maybe I've never shared with you before, maybe not in this, this kind of sense or detail. Answering the call of God on my life to go from a career into full-time ministry was for me, probably the greatest fear-producing event in my entire life. Just, there you have it. It's not because ministry itself is terrifying. It's because of the insecurities inside of the person who is being called. It is the feeling that you just don't measure up. After all, the standard God calls you to has already been established by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and he's a pretty hard act to follow, wouldn't you admit? And when you recognize that you will be preaching the most glorious news ever, and further realize that the, the, the end decision 
that is made by those who you are speaking to is either eternal life or total separation from God for eternity, combined with you being a representative of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, well, that's pretty serious business as far as I'm concerned. You see, ministry is not something that you want to do and you want to take lightly. So the normal response from most people who are called is great fear. The fear of failure. The fear of not representing well. The fear of saying the wrong thing or or saying something that is totally misunderstood. The fear of being put on some kind of a pedestal as a pastor, and I've told you many times, please don't do that because eventually I will fall short of your expectations in one shape, way, shape, or form. There was also the fear of how do I support my family, how all the financial issues were going to work out. There was the fear of no pension like I had with the Fortune 500 company that I had been with. But the greatest fear was representing a holy and a righteous and and a sinless and a, a perfect God. Folks, that engenders fear in anyone. But when God calls you, what happens is in spite of your fears, eventually you realize that that call is very real. And it is something that that you must act upon because it will never go away. And those who have chosen not to answer the call, well, they often lead lives filled with great disappointment, great dissatisfaction. So I answered that call. I didn't take the much easier path of going to God and saying, no, this just isn't for me. I'm very happy and content doing what I'm doing. And because of that, I have found great blessing in the work of the Lord. My fears have been overcome by the reality that God is always with me and he is always taking care of my family. And there's safety in that, folks. I love Proverbs 29, 25, where it says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting in the Lord means safety. Listen, whenever you're in a fearful situation, Whenever you are fearing something or even someone and you take it face on, you hit it face on or head on, you will feel a rush of satisfaction. And that comes from knowing that you displayed courage and you did the right thing. And there is a sense of safety in doing that, not to mention a clear conscience. When there's a hard decision that needs to be made and you step up and you make the right call, as I said, even if things don't turn out perfectly, there is fulfillment in that. When you take the initiative to have a difficult conversation with a boss or a coworker or a parent or a spouse or a pastor, or when you're wrestling with a pattern of of, of sin or addictive behavior in your life, and then you take the courageous step of putting that out into light, when you start to talk about it, with a trusted brother or sister in the Lord when it would be easier to keep it secret and keep that sin hidden. When you face that kind of difficulty head on and you face your fears, you will feel better about yourself and something inside of you grows. We must follow what the psalmist penned in Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Because when you don't, When you wimp out on taking a difficult step of putting your trust in God, you die a little on the inside. And when that becomes your pattern in life, over time you begin to see yourself as someone who cannot cope with life's challenges. 
and where there ought to be an attitude of strength and where there ought to be an attitude of resolve and confidence, you will instead experience fear and a hollowness inside. If you live in fear, if you live in avoidance, and even if you are really gifted and, and things seem to turn out well, your sense of self-worth will begin to erode away and make you feel hollow inside. And that is just too high a price for you to pay. You must not allow fear to do this to you. Number two cost of living with a mindset of fear. You'll experience stagnation instead of growth. If you live in fear, you'll never experience the potential that God has placed in you. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We must take that sound mind and lean into God whenever fear is present in our lives. You see, growth requires risk and risk always involves a measure of fear. A common problem occurs when people know that God is clearly directing them to a new level of faith, or perhaps he's, uh, he's, he's placing a new calling on their life, moving them into a new field, moving them into a new, new profession, maybe even moving someone into ministry. I don't know. And when that happens, wh what happens is that many people become paralyzed. They can't even seem to take the initial step out of the runner's block in order to get things moving. When it comes to directing people to a new level of faith, let's use an example that perhaps God is, is challenging someone in their finances to, to, to give like they've never given before. Well, the, the, the natural response to that is the fear of not having enough. And then we completely forget about the promises found in God's word that when you give, it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The measure in which you give is the measure in which God is going to give back to you, but we forget that. When it comes to pursuing a new career or a new calling, or maybe even a calling into ministry, as I said, people initially worry about all the risk involved, not making enough money to support their family. They wonder if maybe they aren't as talented and as gifted as they thought they were. They worry about becoming a colossal failure and a laughing stock to their friends and to their relatives. Believe me, I know that. That's exactly how I felt. They, became, they become paralyzed by the fear of the future, and they slam on the brakes, and they never move in the direction that God is calling them to. And when they need to be reminded that if God has called and ordained this new thing, he will clearly provide. And so many people simply stay in their comfort zone. You know that little place of familiarity and normalcy and consistency? I call it a cocoon. I call it a cocoon because it's warm and fuzzy inside of there. It's, it's never too full of many surprises or changes. And there's never a challenge that comes with it. It's like that movie Groundhog Day. You get up and it's the same thing over and over and over and over again. But high point, the greatest problem with your comfort zone is that it breeds laziness, mediocrity, familiarity, diminished creativity, lack of confidence, and just, just might as well say it, overall stagnation. And that only stands to reason since every one of those attributes are fear-based. And when we allow fear to keep us from stepping out, our hearts start to shrink little by little because of our in unrealized potential, because of our lowered expectations, 
because of our dissatisfaction and doubt and feeling like, like you're trapped. And ladies and gentlemen, that is just too high of a price to pay to live in fear. And one of those things that's the worst is the stagnation that comes with that. God wants that we should continually be growing in our knowledge, in our faith, in our understanding, and most especially in our trust in him. But if we will never step out, and if we refuse to, to, to trust his leading, if we never test God's faithfulness, while at the same time calling him our Lord and Savior, can you see how we will never, ever grow at all? We will stay right where we're at. Number three, cost of living with a mindset of fear. Fear will cost you your joy. Many of us know the pain of constant, chronic anxiety. In fact, researchers have found most worriers tend to have overblown imaginations. So if you're a worrier, here's the upside. They say that you have a lot of creative potential and that you are quite intelligent, that's true. I don't know if you knew that or not, but that is true. But the downside is your imagination runs toward the negative. It automatically goes like, and it goes back to the negative. And you tend to take and look at things in the catastrophic, most catastrophic way possible. And there's one little phrase that goes through your mind. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's that phrase, what if? What if? I do this. What if I get in an accident and wreck my car? What if I do the, do the wrong thing at work and I lose my job? What if I preach a bad message? But what you don't understand is, is, is that all of these what's, what ifs, they're contingent. They may never happen at all. And, and realistically, most of them will never, ever, ever dream of happening. But your mind thinks it will. But when you live with that mindset of fear, you give the what ifs, all the what ifs, you give them power to rob you of your life today. Now, having a mindset of faith gives you the power to see these events for what they really are and allows you to get on with your life. So what if you wreck your car? You get rid of it and you let the insurance company buy you a new one. What if you lose your job? Well, you get rid of it. You'll go find a new one. What if your pastor preaches a bad message? Well, you get rid of him and you find a new one. Oh, I didn't mean that. See, when you live in fear, you lose your perspective. And then the, the power of the what if will completely paralyze you. So you go through life without joy because joy and fear cannot coexist. I mean, tell me, have you ever met a fearful, joyful person? I haven't. Nehemiah 8.10, the second half of that verse says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We all know that true joy comes from God and the joy of the Lord is our strength and we can't live without it. Living without joy is too high of a price for you to pay. Number four, cost of living with a mindset of fear. Fear will lead you to a mountain of regret for all the risks you never took for all of the challenges that, that you never embraced, for all the times when, when God said, come on, you can trust me, but you said, no, uh -uh, I'm not gonna do it. Please realize that there will be regret. God always calls people to trust him. He said to Abraham, leave your home, go with your wife, Sarah, 
And as an elderly man, you're going to have a son and you will become the father of a great nation. But you have to leave everything comfortable and everything familiar. And you must trust me. God said to Moses, I want you to go and confront the most powerful man on the face of the earth, Pharaoh. And I want you to tell him to let my people go. And Moses, I'm going to do a mighty work through you. You will be responsible for bringing my people together again in freedom, but you're going to have to trust me completely. God said to Daniel, I want you to defy the king and pray, even though it's against the law. You're going to end up in a lion's den, but, I, but you need to trust me because I'm going to shut the mouths of those lions. Jesus said to a rich young ruler, I want you to go and I want you to sell everything you have. I want you to empty all your bank accounts and I want you to give it to the poor and bless them. Then you come and follow me and we will have an adventurous life together. But first, you've got to trust in me and not in your money. Well, sometimes people trusted God and they did what he called them to do and they never regretted. In fact, I haven't found anyone in the Bible who's ever said, I'm sorry that I trusted God and I've never met anybody in real life who has said, I am sorry that I trusted God. But then sometimes people said no to Jesus like the rich young ruler. And I have often wondered if he ever grew up to be an old man. I wonder if he just continued to accumulate his wealth. I wonder if he remembered the day when a young rabbi carpenter challenged him to give away everything and to follow him. I wonder if he ever thought, how would my life have turned out if I'd have said yes to Jesus? Maybe my cold, hard heart would have caught fire. Maybe my selfish spirit would have become a generous one. Maybe this life that got so lonely might have been filled with love. I wonder how things would have turned out if I'd have said yes, and if I trusted in Jesus. You see, there are those who shrink back in fear and who say no to the call of God. Simply put, they end up sitting in a chair in the waiting room with a mountain of regret. Understand, God has a call on all of your lives. He does. It may not be a call into full-time ministry, but it is a call to do something for his kingdom. And he's calling you. And he's been calling some of you for 15, 20, 30 years. And you've just put on the brakes and you've just sat there. And if it hasn't turned into regret already, it will. It will one day. God is in control. Whether or not your fearful heart believes it or not. And his purpose is will ultimately prevail. If not through you, it will be through someone else. So therefore, we must, must remember what is written in God's word in Isaiah 44, 8. Do not fear, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know, not one. We got to learn to stand up on that rock called Jesus our Lord, and not sway from his purposes in our life, or even his timing, because his timing is always perfect. When I was an associate pastor at Phoenix First Assembly, I had a conversation, several conversations, with a lady in our singles ministry. She was in a relationship with a man who was not a believer in Jesus. Not to mention, he wasn't a good man at all. He, was, he had a record, and he was not a nice fella. 
just as simply as I can put it. She clearly knew that the relationship she was in was not right. She knew that they were unequally yoked, as the Bible says, and she knew what was at stake. But deep down inside, she feared that if she broke off that relationship, she would be left all alone. And that was her greatest fear in life, being alone by herself. She wasn't going to allow that to happen again. So she allowed fear to keep her in a relationship that everyone could see was destroying her relationship with Jesus. And it was slowly destroying her joy. Eventually, she dropped out of sight. We never saw her again. And what is so sad about that is is she is heading one day for this mountain of regret because she never gave herself the chance to truly trust God in that situation. She couldn't trust God that there was a man out there somewhere that God had hand-selected, that he had planned on them crossing paths at one point, and that he would come into her life. She just couldn't trust God that that could possibly happen. You see, we will, you will never know that God is trustworthy until you take the chance to trust him. It's no different than any other relationship. You've got to give him trust so he can show that he is trustworthy. Because when you come to the end of your life and you're dealing with all those what ifs that have paralyzed you for so long, you start to think, what might have been? If you had give into that mindset of fear, uh, that mindset of fear, you will find yourself at the end of your days, perhaps comfortable, maybe filling your days, still acquiring things, but the thought will come to you. What could my life have become if I had fully trusted God? What might I have been able to accomplish for his kingdom? What might I have been able to become in Christ Jesus? And you'll realize that you spent a lifetime in a waiting room, never living the kind of life that God designed for you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, again, is just too high of a price for you to pay. The fifth and final cost of living with a mindset of fear, fear is contagious, and it can be passed down from one generation to the next. This might be perhaps the highest cost of all. Because if you allow yourself to go through life with your hopes and your dreams and your callings all being handicapped by fear, there's a good chance that you will handicap the hopes and the dreams and the callings of your children because kids learn from their parents. And if you don't get a grip on this, your kids will also learn to go through life with great anxiety and fear. You'll be passing on that kind of a legacy to them. I grew up in a very legalistic home and a very legalistic church. And in those days, it seemed like anything that was secular was considered sinful. And if I got involved in it, it would eventually send me to hell. The result of that was I was never allowed to participate in anything outside of the church. Boy Scouts, Little League, summer camps, it was all fear-based. Fear that somehow these activities would draw me away from Christ. Never once taking on the mindset that I might influence other people for Jesus Christ. Completely forgetting the truth of the word that greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in this world. Well, apparently, 
God did a work in my parents' thinking, or my parents might have just got run down, or maybe I had tremendous negotiating skills, I'm not sure. <laughs> but whatever happened, finally, finally, when I was about 11 years old, my parents gave up that mindset of fear. And they began to allow me to participate in many things, and what a difference it made in my human development. You think I'm warped now, imagine if I didn't have a normal life. And it accomplished two things for me personally. First, it freed me from having to look at things with a fear-based mentality. And it allowed me to look at new challenges and opportunities with boldness and with confidence. God wants you, as his child, to live with a fearless kind of faith. Therefore, more than any other command, he says, fear not. Here's a few scriptures, Isaiah 41.10 again. I want to read this to you again. It's our first one. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? John 16, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I, God says, have overcome the world. Deuteronomy 31, 6, 6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them or that or whatever. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. God says, fear not. I'm with you. There's nothing that you and I can't handle. So be courageous and be strong. And Jesus never got tired of teaching on this either. He said in Matthew 6, 25 and 26, therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I love this. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I would have to say on the scale of importance, you're much more important than a bird flying out there in the field. So he continually says, my advice to you is don't worry. Fear not. Don't be anxious. Don't worry because I'm with you. I saw a film many years ago called The Bear. It's a story of a little bear cub whose mom dies in a rock slide, is left to fend for himself. It's obvious, that this, it's obvious that this little cub isn't gonna make it on his own. Well, the cub uh, attempts to bond with this huge Kodiak bear, but he's mostly ignored. But when the Kodiak is pursued by hunters, the cub kind of comes to his aid, and this creates an affection between the two. And soon this great Kodiak bear has kind of adopted this little cub. He teaches the little bear how to live, teaches him how to grub for insects, how to fish in the stream. He teaches him how to scratch his back on the bark of a tree. And this little cub does everything that this big Kodiak bear teaches him to do. One day the two of them got separated and the little cub is out on his own and he came across the mountain lion and it was crouched down, ready to pounce on him. He wanted nothing more than to eat that little cub for lunch. 
So instinctively, this little cub does what he, what he was taught, the only thing he knew to do, and, and that was to uh, intimidate, try to intimidate this mountain lion. So he gets back on his hind legs and he stands up and he stretches out his paws and he attempts to let out this big roar and it kind of went, Aah! it was just a little bitty squeak. <laughs> and the camera flashes to the face of this mountain lion and their sheer terror. And this mountain lion runs off in fear. And as the camera pans back behind that small little cub standing tall with his paws in the air roaring is this Kodiak bear. It was the large bear that scared that mountain lion away, not the feeble attempts of the cub. Put yourself in the mindset of that cub. It is not your job to scare anything away. It is God's job to do that. Your job is to believe and trust in God. That film helped me to better understand. It gave me greater insight than any sermon I have ever heard about God and about how he cares for us and about how he's there for us and how we should never fear. You see, that little bear was never alone. Although he couldn't see his adopted father, his father was still there. He was never out of his presence. He was safe. And guess what? You are too. And that's what God wants you to realize this morning. Whatever it is that you have gone through, whatever it is that you are going through even today, there is nothing that can separate you from the loving care and protection and provision of Almighty God. This is the core, right at the core of the gospel. Jesus came to live on this earth, to walk among us, to teach us, to show us how to live. And then he died on that cross of Calvary. But three days later, he was resurrected in power. This was all done to guarantee that we should forever live in the reality of the presence and the power of Almighty God. And there is nothing, there is nothing, no loss, no failure, no rejection, no loneliness, no sickness, no death, nor fear. There is nothing that has the power to separate you from the love and the care of God the Father. Amen. Now, if that is true, and I know it to be, then what in God's creation do you have to be afraid of? What possibly could hold you back from trusting God with everything in your life, not portions of your life, but everything in your life. You see, the ultimate fear among humans is, I can't handle this. Something really bad is gonna happen to me and I can't handle it. But the ultimate promise of God is this, there is nothing that you and I cannot do together. And I'm telling you, when you grasp hold of this truth, it will literally change your life forever. Scott, will you and the worship team please come forward and help me close this down. One of the greatest I can statements in all the Bible was written by the Apostle Paul. And we talked about it at length several weeks ago. Here's the setting. I want you to imagine this happening to you. You've lost your job. You're isolated from your friends. You're living in a strange land. Jealous enemies have trashed your reputation. You've been arrested on false charges, beaten and thrown into jail, and you don't know if you'll ever get out, and you might very well be put to death for that crime. 
that wasn't even a crime. Do you think you'd be tempted to fear? Yet this is the setting in which the Apostle Paul wrote those famous words, or should I say, a proclamation of faith that all of us Christ followers express. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And the promise of God to all of you this morning is you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Can you imagine going through life and truly believing that down to the core of your very being? Could you imagine what it would be like to wake up every morning and just let your day kind of unfold? Being able to say to yourself, good things are gonna happen today and maybe some bad things, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I hope that that's your desire today. If it is, I'd like you to stand to your feet. Together, I wanna to make a public proclamation of faith this morning by all of us speaking forth words of life, words of trust, and words of, of, of no fear. I'd like you to all repeat these words after me, if you would, loud and strong. Heavenly Father, I choose to walk this life with you. I will not be bound by fear. I will be driven by faith and trust in you. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will be strong and of good courage. For you are with me. In whatever direction you send me, I will trust in you and your perfect love that casts out all fear. So I will fear not. In Jesus' name. Listen, church, there is only one kind of fear that is a good fear, and that's the fear of the Lord. But that's much more than a fear. It's a humble respect for the authority of a just, loving, and an almighty God. And we're gonna talk about that next week, the fear of the Lord. But maybe you're here today and you've never trusted God. You've never allowed him to guide and to direct your life. You've never received his gift of salvation. The Bible says in order to receive salvation, you must believe in your heart and you must confess with your mouth. What that means is you simply pray a prayer and you say, God, I believe that Jesus is your son that he died for me, the blood that he shed washes away my sin, and so I ask for your forgiveness, and I ask you to become the Lord of my life. And by you speaking or thinking or saying those words to God, that's the confession part. Jesus will come into your heart, he will, he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness, and you will become, as the word of God says, a new creation. I wanna give you the opportunity to do that this morning, but I wanna give you an opportunity to take care of a lot of things this morning, not just people who need Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you need a touch from God. Perhaps you're dealing with a difficult issue. You need guidance, real guidance from the Lord. You need an answer of some kind. Maybe you're experiencing a financial hardship and you need God's help in order for that to be met. Maybe you've heard this message this morning and you've come to realize that fear has been holding you back from seeing God's purposes fulfilled in your life, and you're not happy about that. Maybe as I said earlier, you're carrying around a boatload of regret 
because you've allowed fear to paralyze you for so long. In all these cases, you can come to this altar and you can pray to the Lord for strength and for courage that you need to get out of that pattern. Ask him to help you to no longer be consumed by fear, but to walk forward in boldness, knowing that God has you covered. Whatever it is, you can seek God at this altar this morning. Receive what it is that you need. As always, I, I say this almost every week, it would be a shame to leave this place today with a burden that you can lay at the altar and you can walk away and leave it with God. So while the worship team sings, we're gonna take a few minutes. For anyone who wants to come down to this altar, I'll pray over you, and then we will close this service in prayer. stories of what they think you're like, but I heard a tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, and I see many searching for answers far and wide but I know we're all searching for answers Lord only you provide as you know just what we need before we say your word a good good father
at the altar still pray they can stay here as long as they would like I'd like you to bow your heads and let's close this service in prayer Father we thank you that you are above fear we thank you that you provide us with everything that we need to walk above fear and we plead your blood over every person in this place and that you would wipe and eradicate the fear that hides in the corners of our heart completely wipe it away father let us trust in you fully in all things in all circumstances father help us to get in the pattern of trusting you first and then watching you fulfill that trust and watch our faith continue to grow each and every day that's how the christian walk is it's how it works i pray that every one of us would experience it in a profound way starting right now father that you would help us to trust you in all things God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word, for, for the truth that you don't want us to fear. It's something you don't even want to be a part of our life. And yet, as humans, that's what we default to. And so, God, our prayer today is that we would all rise above that, that we would walk in a boldness and a confident faith, a fearless faith in you each and every day. So, Father, as we go our separate ways today, I ask that your Holy Spirit would go with us guiding and directing our steps, the paths we take, the things we do, the places we go, the conversations that we have. Let those conversations be ones that are designed to build people up and not tear them down. And I pray, Father, that we would shine like bright lights in a very dark world that needs you so desperately. And Father, that we would shine so brightly that those around us would say, what is it that's different about you? And then we can tell about the love of Christ 
and that we can share your goodness with them. And Father, I pray for a divine appointment for every one of us this week, that you'll put someone in our path that we'll have an opportunity to share your goodness with, invite them into the house of God and see them become a believer in Christ. So Spirit of God, I just pray that you would strengthen us this week, that you would take those fears that we have and wipe them away. Let us walk in full confidence of who you are and in our identity as a follower in Christ Jesus and use us mightily this week. And as we go our separate ways, Father, I pray that we would go in love. That's what you've called us to do. Help us to love those around us, even those that are difficult to love. Allow your love to come through us in each and every way conceivable. And we ask these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for being here.